0: hey everyone this is nick before we enjoy today's episode i want to tell you about a special sponsor that we have the standard beard care that's right the standard beard care your standard in any kind of beard essentials we were formed we're calvinists we have beards we need them to be healthy so we can show that manliness that god has created us to be The Standard Beard Care. If you go to thestandardbeardcare.com, you can use the promotion code ACD, that's ACD for a couch divided, for 10% off. They are a Christ-exalting, veteran-owned, and simplest name in beard care. The reason why it's simple? Because it's the standard in beard care. They have all kinds of products, all kinds of smell-good things for your beard, like Rosewood, which is my personal favorite. Remember to check that out and say that A Couch Divided sent you for 10% off. That is the promo code ACD once again for 10% off. And I'll let you in on a little secret. The owner of the standard beard care, his name is Tony Thomas. That's right. You heard me correctly. Tony Thomas, the same last name as mine. He is my brother. So I'm not just being biased here. No, I am. But his product, well, I use it every day and it works I love it. He's even have a line of soaps as well, and it's clearing my skin, and I'm just loving every little minute of it. Uh, he's selling out of these things quick. Go to the standardbeardcare.com Once again, ACD for 10% off. Hey, this is Nick Thomas with The Couch Divided, one of the co hosts here. We just wanted to give you a quick warning about today's episode. It is extremely graphic in nature. So, if you have little ones uh, running around, or if you yourself um, cannot stomach or handle this uh, particular topic, now's the time to turn it off. We're not going to be offended at all, but it is a part of our society and it's a, the talk of the town. We found it necessary to uh, have a podcast and a discussion about this. Once again, uh, when We're just uh, advising you that this topic that we're getting ready to talk about today is extremely graphic in nature and may be something you would want to turn off. But if you're going to hang in there with us, sit back and relax and prepare to be couched.
1: The gruesome story leads off our newscast. Milwaukee police found body parts in a north side apartment and now they wonder if they've uncovered some kind of death factory. This was the scene earlier this morning. Police hired a private contractor to haul a refrigerator and a tank of acid out of the apartment in the 900 block of North 25th Street. Because of the acid, some neighbors were evacuated briefly. Police found parts of bodies leading them to believe the man they arrested is a mass murderer.
2: From our investigation, we feel that this individual strongly is involved in other homicides. Uh, We have taken evidence out of the building by the medical examiner to be examined.
1: What brought the police here in the first place?
2: The officers were stopped by an individual who claimed he was in the apartment and became engaged in a dispute with the owner of the apartment and uh, left the apartment and called the officers.
1: A 31-year-old man was arrested at that apartment. The Milwaukee County Medical Examiner will release more details on this case this morning at 10 o'clock. But a police lieutenant tells us he suspects this case could get national attention and could be the most gruesome case we have seen in Milwaukee in years.
2: Welcome back to Coltish Lees and gentlemen. Uh, my name is Jeremiah Roberts, one of the co-hosts here. Uh, Andrew the Super Sleuth is not with me today. Uh, he is currently a sleuthing on a couple of different projects, uh, given all that we do here at Coltish, I am joined by two of my good and close friends. Uh, it's good to have you back. It's been a full year since we did our last crossover.
3: Has D- it really? Yeah. Wow. It's been about a year. Oh yeah. my gosh. A little over. You yeah. guys, time is going so fast for me I'm, i know
0: i'm lar- I'm larger
2: i'm too disturbed
3: well. by how fast it's going for me
2: i know a lot a lot of oh cha- a lot of changes then i'm getting married i know, I know it's exciting
3: oh my goodness in if- you know
2: the last crossover did you
3: have tobias oh yes okay uh, yes but he is gonna be two this coming january he, he is goodness. turning
2: into a little giant
3: oh my gosh he's so much fun i
0: love the little
2: dude yeah he
3: loves you too so much Uncle Nick.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, Elephant in the Room, we're going to be talking about uh, something that's been on everyone's minds, uh, especially given uh, the recent uh, Netflix television show and a couple other documentaries. It seems that everyone's talking about it. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, obviously has taken somewhat of a resurgence. He has been kind of a cultural icon in the history of true crime. This is going to be our sort of true crime uh, uh, couch divided crossover. We're going to be talking about the crimes, but also trying to. Really kind of look at the psychology and Mm. some of the sociology and also how do we even make sense of this horrific story? Uh, Just real quickly, tell everyone just a little bit about yourself and your podcast. And so people kind of get an idea of where you're going to be coming from, where we're all going to be coming from together on this controversial subject.
0: Sure. You want to start, Nick? Sure. I'm Nick, and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, my name is uh, my name is Nick Nick Thomas. If anybody listens to the show, they know I begin every show with yes. that, with the glorious Dr. Robin Hall. Uh, <laughs> glorious, right yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, right across from me. Um, my study is in uh, counseling and behavior health. That's where, where my degree is uh, as well. I have an affinity towards uh, Theta counseling and. Um, I like long walks on the beach and everything like that too <laughs> as well. Um, and uh, very excited to do this episode. If there's anything that more that you would like to uh, well, know about me, you can email me personally if you'd like.
3: And you are co-host <laughs> to our podcast, which yes. is A Couch Divided. Yes, where we try and bring a Christian worldview to secular psychology, mm-hmm. or I guess analyze secular psychology through a Christian worldview. Yeah, mm-hmm. really.
2: I th- well, just to like I. I'm a fan of your podcast as well, too, and it's so good because even to this day, as much as has come out just about the nature of mental health, and even as we're learning today, it's still... Sometimes in the Christian churches, oh. it's still like a taboo subject. Yes, mm-hmm. And I love so much the emphasis that you both put on it with all the mm-hmm. subjects, you know, about uh, PTSD, trauma, mm-hmm. um, even I think you even have explored some other true crime ideas on sure. uh, your podcast. talking about the nature of evil. And, Psychopathy.
3: Yeah. Psychopathy.
0: Mm-hmm. We've, we've even done, um, you know, sort of a, a cultural uh, topics of mass shootings yeah. and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, or even Roe v. Wade. When it, yes. And, and talking about the nature of our minds and how to acclimate. COVID, how COVID-19
3: has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should yeah. probably do a, um, like, a revisit of that now that we're in 2022. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I now that we're, to. you know, All two the data years is out there. from yeah. zero day. What, yeah. what were they called? Yeah.
2: Ground Zero. Ground Zero. Zero. zero yeah. yeah.
3: Guys, I'm Definitely. a mom. Unresolved. I got what you said. I got what you I'm said. I'm glad yeah. that both, yeah, both of you know me well, well enough that it, you knew. It's yeah.
0: interesting because we just did a podcast on impulsive behavior um, as well, which might tie into the nature of the topic that we were talking about today, but it is. it was a very uh, uh, good episode. It's getting a very good response. I would implore anybody to go check that out.
3: Yeah.
2: So. Okay. Well, let's let's have a conversation. Let's let's jump into it. So yeah. I think maybe the first thing we can, we can explore is that... um Look, why should we discuss this? I mean, like I said, and again, we are going to be be discussing it. So again, as I gave the warning disclaimer at the beginning, um, this content. I mean, we're not going to have make a huge emphasis on the in in. The intricate details of every single crime that Jeffrey Dahmer committed. Yeah. However, it is graphic and mature in nature, so if you are a uh, mom at home listening to podcasts along doing laundry with your kids, uh, I think you might be good to maybe listen with discretion. Maybe put in the earbuds, or if yeah. you're if you're sensitive to aspects of true crime, this honestly, this may not be. The best podcast for you we'll be back with some other episodes later on i just want to make sure you're weary of that so just please be cautionary as you listen and listen with discretion but we do think this is the world that god created this is a fallen sinful world right, right. um and i think there are levels in which we should uh mm-hmm. look at this tragic and horrific story yeah. so what are your thoughts on like why should we discuss jeffrey dahmer
3: sure well i i I'm gonna plug myself really quick, <laughs> um, because I didn't when I was like, don't forget you're a co-host. Oh a yeah, do, do we do
2: we forgot about you. <laughs> my yeah, gosh, my brain, fine. ADD no, moment.
3: Guys, Jerry's planning a wedding. I have a son. I Same. think we get great here. One.
0: I, I'm the only one that's single here, and I but you the... that yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, real quick too. When
2: you're planning when, you, yeah, when you're so... pla- when you're planning a wedding, I was saying that beforehand. Yeah. It's like when you're only when you go when you. Go from planning fifteen things all at once down to maybe nine things all at once. You suddenly
3: you, feel like you can rest. You can rest. I yeah. And I
2: and I might have just barely gotten to nine things. So I'm trying to So he's trying myself. to stay
3: awake basically. and I am oh yeah. yeah. So Dr. So Dr. Mindhunter so. Hall. Yes. Yeah, so um, Tell us. About yourself. I've well, I've been a guest on your show for a long time now, which is super awesome. Um so I have my doctorate. My name is Dr. Robin Hall, I'm my doctorate in clinical psychology and um a specific interest a personal interest in true crime criminal psychopathology um it's probably like the dessert of psychology for me if we're gonna <laughs> oh, make goodness. a metaphor of it um I maybe i should eating. be more careful considering we're talking about i, like, I, hope, yeah. you're not, oh. I hope you're not
0: eating when you
3: <laughs> no um not at all no. <clears throat> um but i do have some really cool experience uh in training actually working with Uh, No one like Dahmer specifically, but individuals that we might categorize similarly or in categories that we would liken to, uh, you know, Dahmer's kind of unique unicorn self. So um, I'm really excited to speak to this. I think Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating. Um, But to answer your question, um, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me when we talk where we're talking about somebody like Dahmer, we almost can't help ourselves but look toward it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's kind of a cliche thought, the can't tear our eyes away from a mm-hmm. train wreck, a car wreck, but there is some legitimate truth in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we start finding out things about Jeffrey Dahmer, who, for all intents and purposes, looks like a normal fellow, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um it's really incongruent right Mm. it doesn't make sense to us how can this happen we're not really safe right look at i mean all the times that he was able to evade capture when he really shouldn't have been able to evade capture Mm -hmm. um we're psychologically speaking we're interested in things like that Mm -hmm. um when we were prepping for this episode, one of the thoughts I kept having was Dahmer, he's a unicorn among unicorns, right? Mm-hmm. So even among serial killers, he is unique. Um, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But I think first and foremost, it's really like when we see something this traumatic, tragic, mm-hmm. it's hard to pull our eyes away from it. Right. Yeah. And parts of us identify with the victims, the families, parts of us identify with Dahmer. And I, you know, I don't mean that, most of us sit around wanting to cannibalize people, but he he gives us an opportunity to vicariously explore a question we all ask ourselves, whether we admit it or not, which but like what's evil in me, right? Mm-hmm. How do I explain right. or explore what's evil in me? Mm-hmm. Um, as Christians, we have an answer <laughs> right. to yeah. that whole question. So that's what I I think first and foremost. Primarily, it's interesting because it's so, it's weird, it's bizarre. Mm -hmm. We like that kind of thing as human beings. Hey, what's up, everyone? Have you
2: ever wanted to get behind the microphone? and chat with myself and Andrew, the super sleuth of the show here at Coltish. Well, guess what? You get to do exactly that this October, October 27th through the 29th. ReformCon, October 27th through the 29th. You get a chance to meet Andrew and I. A bunch of awesome speakers. This is a great lineup, including myself and Andrew, the super sleuth of the show. So check that out. And can't wait to meet you all there and have a great conversation. Now back to the episode. Do you think like the the uniqueness, the appeal to I me, mean, think of all the true crime podcasts that are out there? Mm-hmm. And there's been plenty of discussion on Dahmer specifically, even before it became like a big thing, especially with the with the show on Netflix um, that had, that had come out where that got everyone talking. Do you think maybe there's an aspect where people we can all we can almost we can look at these. Ex- crazy extreme examples because it's kind of safe to view them over there like we all know there's something intrinsically yeah. wrong with us yes like in a weird way is it kind of like a dim mirror or what? The, do, right, what do, what's a, the psychology yeah. behind like that? so when, crime?
3: I, when i when i say vicarious that's what i mean right yeah. we when we look at something that we are disconnected from mm-hmm. like a crime so, something serious somebody committing a murder or like a kidnapping or a robbery right that goes wrong we get to ask ourselves the questions that we assume the perpetrators are asking themselves in the commission of those crimes right is it worth it will i get caught do i care we absolutely use it as a mechanism to explore that because as christians understand we are inherently bad Mm -hmm. and bad in that we are haters of god we rebel against god um, children of wrath, children of Adam before God saves us. So we don't have to g- go far at all to understand depravity as a right. Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, I'm it's, it's fascinating. That's one of the reasons I'm interested in it. Mm-hmm. I'm so fascinated by well, what brought you there. Like how did these pieces come together to mm-hmm. bring you to this place? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another side of that is If we can understand someone like Dahmer, then we can protect ourselves from him.
0: Right, right. And that's actually the avenue where I was going to as well, because a lot of this is, well, like we said before we started recording, this is the nature of case studies too, to find out, you know, why certain patterns of behavior happen. And then can we prevent this in the future? And then, um, you know, so that we don't come upon this tragic thing ever again.
3: Right. So So. that this kind of calamity doesn't befall or that somehow we can intervene and prevent somebody like Dahmer from Growing up and growing into his full-blown killing right, you know,
0: and it's hard it's hard not to minority report this You know what Mm. I mean? Oh, I see the early signs and then all of a sudden you're taking steps that probably don't need to be there There is very
3: serious danger in that. Yeah.
0: Yeah Mm -hmm. So it really Mm -hmm. does help to have a foundation in an objective reality such as the Word of God to know how to handle these things uh, ethically and morally, but I think uh, more so that we have an obligation as a Christian um, to find out the truth to mm-hmm. look upon that truth to abominate it if it is sinful obviously and to make it a proverb in everybody's mouths as something yeah. to repudiate right. and i think that you see that help, element lord yeah.
3: help us hate what you hate yeah, right? yeah. exactly <clears throat> yeah
0: yeah and well, we see that element all throughout the scripture too yeah as well,
2: so. well even too like with a lot of the topics we cover are really topics surrounding the supernatural, uh, specifically mm-hmm. uh, people in the New Age.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And,
2: you know, the primary thing we try and emphasize is that the ultimate lens in which we should see the unseen realm of that world is scripture, because we can't see it with our naked eye. And I think mm-hmm. on some level, there's a similar, oh, there's yeah. a similarity to uh, psychology. I mean, you're, even like your doctorate, like <laughs> but not, not your doctoral thesis, yes. it's just trying to... Uh, Read that and understand it. I feel like my brain was hurting, (laughs) and I'm saying the most complimentary way. Oh no,
3: no, absolutely. But I
2: think I remember hearing a TED talk with somebody who dealt with uh, veterans and people with severe PTSD, Mm -hmm. and he said the difference between somebody who's a surgeon say they're a neurosurgeon like they they know the intricacies of the brain and how everything works you think of someone like dr ben carson who's done like multiple yeah. different, uh, brain surgeries or something like dr Rand paul who's done tons of cataract surgery mm-hmm. they they know regardless of the person like this gland is right here right. you don't cut right here because this is where an artery is so forth and so on but when you're dealing with someone who has severe trauma you're you're handling something you can't tangibly see and i think that's one of the complexities too is that when you're looking at somebody who did this it's not this is different than a typical crime scene where the crime has already been committed thinking about the uh the manson murders like the bodies had already been there uh when they discovered this grisly crime scene and then they went into investigation to find the perpetrator sure in this case is the exact opposite they end with Dahmer. They found the perpetrator first
3: right, and had to piece together what happened. And
2: then found the crime scene pretty much at the same time. And then it's okay. Well, how do we actually piece together why he did this? So really the investigative point of the Dahmer case was really his mind Mm -hmm. versus anything else. Mm -hmm. Oh
3: yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think that's accurate. I I think um, another reason that, we like looking at things like this. Why you know, why is this trending? Why was it the number one show on Netflix for as long as it was? Um, it just got kicked down, I think, last week or this maybe a couple of days ago to yeah. the number two spot. Um, it helps us minimize our own depravity. Not sure. only does it help us explore that part, um, but it helps us minimize it because we can look at somebody like Dahmer and, and say quickly, most of us can say, well, I'm not as crazy as that guy. Like, right. yeah. at least I'm not mummifying genitals and eating people's hearts, you yeah. know? Um, which are definitely both things Dahmer did. Mm-hmm. So, um it, it I think it is important to acknowledge what you're talking about, Jerry, which is that there really isn't one organ system that's impacted by trauma. I mean, you might have a broken arm or a broken leg if you suffered some kind of physical injury. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you were never physically injured, the systems at work are your, your nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. Your endocrine system, hormones, adrenaline, cortisol. So, um, it is really difficult. You, you can't just treat, you can't treat a, an organ system in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, what's also important to acknowledge is, is it's different for, for each person. They might be manifesting similar symptoms, but how they navigate that, what it level of tra- like traumatizing it is, is specific and individual. And mm-hmm. it, we, I mean, we have guesses about why, <clears throat> but that's what it is. It's just, you know, informed hy- hypotheses about why that might be. Right. But I think that that's why, and we do this with Dahmer. Mm-hmm. He is so unique. He's so weird. What he did was so atrocious. I mean disturbing i was disturbed mm-hmm. you i know Definitely. you were saying well, I think Nick, that if you're
2: not i think there if you're not disturbed by this there is something inherently wrong with you and there's a reason <laughs> right and i mean but yeah i'm yeah, serious i mean that i mean yeah. i think one of the reasons why is that i mean we all inherently know what happened here in this story is right. traffic and it's it's the evil and it's deplorable but the question is like how do you give an ultimate accounting for like why that took place. Why don't we do this as well sure. too, just because um, how can we give just a sort of like a brief kind of cliff notes uh, version kind of of the story of just what, took place sure. in a way that's not, I mean, I mean given the nature of the story, it is graphic, but we're not going to be intrinsically uh, detailed, but we do want to give people a general idea right. of yeah, for uh, those, what so took place here.
3: Anybody that's interested in this, it's everywhere right mm-hmm. now. Um, True Crime Garage does, one of their very first episodes is on this um morbid does if you can handle lots of uh, cursing morbid does a three-part on dahmer there's lots of information out there documentaries interviews so there's no lack of sources for this information but um overall he killed 17 people he started at the age of 18 in 1978 and he stopped uh just a few days before his arrest in July of 1991. He killed people primarily in, I think actually totally in Milwaukee, although he did some moving around. Right. Um, so anyway, we'll talk about that. His victims were mostly uh, African-American men. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first two victims were Caucasian, actually. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and so do you want to go through like the progression, how the crimes progress? Like, well, yeah. What's interesting what too, what's what's
2: yeah. Well, what's interesting too is that when normal time, when you look at serial killers, they're just doing it progressively. It's usually a very short amount of time between the murders. Well there is a substantial gap in with Dahmer. I think that's also maybe interesting to talk about briefly.
3: Yeah. So that okay. So that's true, um, but so we can actually see a really clear progression for him, which mm-hmm, we right. would see similarly to other killers. Probably. Mm -hmm. Um, So he commits his first murder when he's 18. Um, His first victim is a hitchhiker named Stephen Hicks, who is 18 years old. Um, And according to Dahmer, that murder wasn't planned at all. Um, He had been planning to abduct a jogger. Oh, yeah, a jogger. um, But it just so happened that that day, the jogger didn't show up, um, and uh, apparently he had been showing up like every day for months Mm -hmm. and it was just that day that Dahmer was going to nab him. Oh, talk about God's sovereignty. Well, he
2: was also, this guy was also hitchhiking to get to a concert. Stephen Hicks was. Yeah. yeah.
3: Um, so he, he says he didn't plan on taking him, but he had had a fantasy. He had been fantasizing about abducting a hitchhiker, taking them back to uh, his parents' house and, subduing them having complete and total dominance over them but this
2: is his first murder though yeah and again i mean just from your point you know given you've talked with people that are on the other side of of the law uh getting getting convicted getting prosecuted and kind of seeing people who have these sort of predatorial intentions Mm -hmm. like even with his very first murder like what do you think even had him in that spot where that was his mindset even though for even from his own confession that first murder was very compulsive
3: Oh, yeah. So you mean what brought him to that point?
2: Yeah. Are you aware? Like, what do you think? Like, what what brought him to be where he was in his mind to even do that?
3: <laughs> so, OK, we
2: can, I mean, we can only we can only postulate, we can only partially yeah. Correct.
3: So, OK, so we'll rewind the story a little bit. Um, again, if you guys are interested in really hearing all of the details of this, right. there's lots of info out there. But he was born in May of 1960. Um, at four years old, he had a hernia surgery, and the only reason I mention that at all is because his dad said that there was a remarkable difference before and after this surgery, hmm. so he was described as a like happy go lucky normal child until four. And following the surgery, his dad starts to say, like, he would withdraw and isolate and be hyper-focused on things and seem seem to be a little detached. So who knows if that was an actual—I mean, we can't, we can't say that a, a hernia surgery caused— mm. A personality change but oh, if he yeah. felt if he was traumatized by the surgery which I have, would have no way of knowing then he absolutely could experience personality change like anybody who is traumatized mm-hmm. following that mm-hmm. so who knows um, his mom was uh, reportedly bipolar uh, and v- did a lot of attention-seeking things um, hypochondri- hy- hypochondriasis would have been mm-hmm. like the diagnosis if there had been a diagnosis right. back then. Um, so very, like attention-seeking behaviors. Um, and his dad was a research chemist. Mm-hmm. So a smart guy, a scientist. Um, and the, he had a little brother. Mm-hmm. Like three or four years mm-hmm. old, younger than yeah. him, I think. David. Um, So he started showing interest at a very young age in uh, anatomy. And that started... So for anybody that's watched the Netflix Dahmer series you'll see a little bit of this portrayed in it and we're not recommending that you watch it it's really disturbing I only got Mm -hmm. through two episodes of it Um, I don't consume my true crime that through mediums like that anyway but um, he as from like a young age he was very interested in uh, dead animals and their anatomy and he his dad who researched knew how to bleach bones and Mm -hmm. to preserve carcasses and was excited as a scientist right that his kid was interested in these things so um you know i think we could speculate about it you know unbeknownst to lionel dahmer jeffrey's Mm -hmm. dad he was nurturing a an interest in the morbid that he couldn't have known, right? Didn't was didn't gonna... know how to filter. As well, a, yeah. what you know? So, yeah. he, he... well, a
2: lot of his uh, a lot of his upbringing, he was very socially awkward, and he was also yes. very very isolative, uh, very introverted, and may I don't know. Do you think maybe you can give your thoughts on this? Do you think there's maybe a part of him where just working working on the anatomy of these animals, this is something he did understand stand or could control uh-huh. and so he took special interest in that because the whole world around him like you couldn't figure out how to socialize this is one thing i do understand
3: so m- m- that's totally possible um i think it was more likely a way for him to connect with his dad because what all of the information that i've come across says is that he was pretty neglected um his mom was so consumed in her own internal like mm-hmm. you know environment and what was going on that when dad was home, she tried to monopolize dad's time with like fits mm-hmm. and uh, dad wasn't home very much. And when he was away, she was kind of, you know, n- non-present or not very nice. So <clears throat> really, if you're looking at this from like a psychological personality development type of perspective, that neglect feeling. So imagine what happens to you, right, when your mother doesn't find you interesting and she can't use you as a tool to mm. manipulate your dad. Well, you see a similar. And she's not paying attention to you and she's not right. loving you and she is not doing the things that other mothers do. Mm hmm. And so you start to believe very quickly that you are not lovable, right? That you are awful and rotten. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, one of the theories about why Dahmer would go on to develop an interest in necrophilia could start here, right? If I'm awful, I know I'm going to do everything awful. If I have a dead partner, guess what they can't do? Mm-hmm. Judge my performance in any way. <clears throat> so you were asking like how do you get here? Well, I think it starts with uh wanting a connection truly, having no idea at all how to gain that connection with another human being and wanting complete and total control yeah over mm-hmm. the connection. He didn't want them to leave and you'll see that like across his across his murders. He would get extra angry when they want wanted to leave. He wanted mm. to be the one to decide when they could leave, which is why he kept body parts. Right. And, I mean, it wasn't just a trophy thing. It was not wanting his conquest, his right. fr- friend so distorted, so, like, psychologically warped, but um, to leave. And there's one, one of his victims, I can't remember which one, um, he tried to freeze, and he kept him around for a couple of months. He, I mean, he was searching for a way to extend his control over the problem is is that bodies rot Mm -hmm. right and they smell so he you know he couldn't do he couldn't keep everyone right
0: which is very interesting because uh, even when he tried to stop doing that the only control that he didn't have was over himself and right. so there's an element in there where I get from the scriptures that it says you know he's written eternity on man's heart right he's right. made everything beautiful it's time and he's written eternity on man's heart and there's some mechanism in all of us that faces our inevitable end and of right. course death morbidity uh, immorbidity um, you you see that face to face. So he was out in the woods with his friend all the time, and he would pick up dead animals and mm-hmm. then go and bleach them just like his dad, right. kind of thing,
3: and collect the bones and
0: collect the bones. <laughs> and I don't know if his friend thought anything of that. Right. I mean, I, I remember being a kid and seeing dead birds sure. and things like that, and you know, poking it and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, I never had a you know obsession with it. But did you eat the dead? Bird no, head? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. I yeah. would some. I would mourn. Uh, actually. When I would oh, see those things. That's and adorable. I was driving down the street the other day and it was raining and there was a frog and I think I ran over it. Oh. And for some reason, I was a little kid again. I went, oh no, Mr. Frog. <laughs> Who's know, Mr. Frog? The frog that I almost ran over on oh. the road. But it was funny to me. I mean, did
3: you have a pet, Mr. Frog?
0: (laughs) No, it was just funny to me that I said Mr. Frog, like a little kid that attaches Mr. and Mrs. Okay,
3: I'm sorry. -hmm. And so there was
0: always a sense of mourning, but that also has to do with mortality as well. Mm -hmm. And you get to understand, I mean, it's a separation from you and the beast kind Mm -hmm. of thing. So Adam is alone in the garden. He can't find any suitable partner until, you know, the woe I mean, until eve kind of thing right and so i think there's an element in there in the human mind that wants to separate yourself from mm-hmm. the beast separate yeah. yourself from creation and that is that god complex dominance and control and everything. Narcissism. yeah narcissism mm-hmm. everything flows from there and then you have the abandonment he didn't use the word abandonment but the feeling of the the shunning away from his mom and everything like that mm-hmm. yeah it's the a, rejection
3: yeah,
2: it's, yeah.
0: A, it's a smooth cocktail for, for yeah for yeah for him.
2: this episode is brought to you by apologia studios Cultish would not be possible if it wasn't for Apologia Studios, where we film our show and record our show out of. So if you want to support the studio, which will allow Cultish to remain a weekly content for you to enjoy, please go to ApologiaStudios.com. You can uh, become an all-access member, and that, will again, will support the studio, which will allow Cultish to be a possibility for you to enjoy on a weekly basis. Now, back to the episode. One of the things that's also, when you look at his upbringing and and like the isolation that happens, there's also a similar, I thought of uh, Charles Manson's mother Mm -hmm. and his relationship with his mother and not being valued and cherished, Uh, especially now you're viewing the light of you being now a mother and how important it is to, to know Little Tobias know that he's loved, cherished, and cared I'd probably
3: for. Probably go too far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> every morning I'm like, okay, thirty kisses, and then yeah, che- <laughs> and the cheek. Oh my know? gosh! <laughs> Imagine
2: being on the ro- the uh, receiving end of like thirty Robin Hoods oh, like every single man. day. It's the best.
3: He's so squishy, dude. I know, I know.
2: <laughs> um, but you think of the exact opposite of that. Like I have a distinct okay. memory from my childhood of going. Uh, I remember there's a friend of mine, uh, just a, you know, just a kind of a neighborhood childhood friend. And I would play with him on the street and then I knew where he lived. One time I walked by where he uh, lived and, you know, everyone has those stories where you hear the couples shouting back and forth and how awful that is. And someone who, listening, might have grown up in a household where you Mm -hmm. have that abuse, the domestic violence, or maybe just the very verbal place is the antithesis of what a true biblical patriarchal household should be. Right, And like the... And just the immediate fear like I remember going up the street and just hearing that from the outside
3: the like the parents the arguing.
2: parents yelling back and forth but also he was going back and forth to the parents So it was all the parents are back and forth against each other he's going back and forth to them, oh, and wow. I'm probably six seven years old oh. and I immediately know this is not cool like yeah. this is not okay and I remember just being really mortified and right. going home and just being oh my gosh getting back to my house like this is such a safe place right the there but for a lot of people like that's their life and they can't escape it, mm-hmm. and so a lot of times there's even as a child you have to sort of disassociate from that. Mm-hmm. So and I mean that was very indicative of what Dahmer's upbringing and household was like. He always had the, his mother and father really at each other's necks of sorts, and I'm sure that had some, uh, for sure, detrimental effects uh, oh to gosh. his upbringing for of sure. Of course,
3: yeah. Yeah, I think ultimately, like, it ended up in him being neglected, even if there was no... I have no idea if there was a verbal abuse directed at him hmm. um, by either by either parent. It doesn't seem so. It seems like he had at, le- at least a relatively okay relationship with his dad. Mm-hmm. Um, his dad and his mom did get divorced, though, and his dad remarried. And his stepmom, I don't think, was super fond of Jeffrey or a... Uh, um, But I I don't know that I would be either if he smelled the way that he did and was living in my house. So, um, yeah, I I think the most important thing to remember about Dahmer and his crimes, his first victim was in 78, right? 18-year-old Stephen Hicks. His next victim isn't until nine years later. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in the biz, (laughs) that's what we would call a very significant cooling off period. Yeah.
2: Well, real quickly, uh, one thing, I believe it's the first murder that he did. It was Steve Hicks, right? Yes, Mm -hmm. Steve Hicks. Um, With that, and again, this is graphic, but this is the nature of his crimes, is that he had to get rid of the body. Uh, He, after he cut it apart... Dismembered it. Dismembered it and put it in several trash bags. He put it in the back of his car. Yes. And... What's interesting is that he was pulled over by the police, and you know, you think about plenty of times that you know, as a police, in the mindset of any of you who are listening in who is a police officer, a right. lot of times you make your assessment. You know, typical traffic stop. This guy seems I know, normal. He's friendly. Yeah, right, right. So here's the thing too. Like I know just in me, like I can have a police car go behind me, <laughs> my heart starts racing.
1: Yeah.
2: Like the last. I mean, it was probably like two years ago. I was in Gilbert, and that lane I forgot past Elliot. It became a twenty-five zone, oh. and of course, I got docked by you know an officer in a police you know police cars. So again, the lights go on, but as soon as the lights go on, it's like adrenaline. Yeah. Like I'm going to die,
3: <laughs> right? Oh, no. But oh no, what do I have? What yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> so
2: what happens though with Dahmer is that he has his first victim in the back of the yes. car,
3: in the in the trash bags, in the in
2: the trash bags. And literally, it's like he gets pulled over and he tells them something that's true, which was true about him, that his parents were getting divorced at the time. He was having a really rough time. And he said he was doing a bunch of yard work and was was going to throw away his garbage. But he did it in such a way that was authentic and convincing enough for them just to let him go. Yeah. So there's nothing in his behavior that...
3: Is giving away that he has a body... Cut up in mm-hmm. bags in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's, I mean, so that would be like a, well, I mean, how do you say anything is typical psychopath? Um, that grandy. that narcissism, that mm-hmm. grandiosity, that sense of self-importance, right. the believing that you are like big God, essentially, yeah. that no one can stop. That, that's where that confidence comes from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. All, you know, all I need to do essentially is... Jerry, we've got like fleas in here or something. Think... That's the second one I well, killed. Well, you just
0: expressed your dominance over that
2: one, yeah. Oh.
3: <laughs> <laughs> On my Domer. Lots well, well, to talk
2: to the uh, exterminator or something <laughs> like that. <I'm> <laughs> of Apologia Studios. I think it's they the weather. Kinda...
3: It's like making the gnats yeah, go crazy. It's mm-hmm. just, it's um, well, all changing. I completely lost. Do you remember what I was saying?
2: Uh, we were talking about the uh, that the, the time when when Domer got pulled over and the fact oh, yes, that he yes, was yes, totally okay. cold, stone cold, really poker faced. Yeah, but really telling the police officer, something that was true. He probably was going through difficulty, but... He says,
3: I'm going to... I'm just... My parents were fighting, right? They're getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. I'm having a rough night. I just needed to go... I wanted to get out, and I thought, why not make a run to the dump? Believable. It gives the, like, officer hearing him Mm -hmm. something to commiserate with him over, Mm -hmm. right? And he just killed. He just killed Mm Stephen. So... I'm guessing that it doesn't smell. I mean, it might it might have smelled a little bit b- like blood, but I don't mm-hmm. know how much decomposition would have been happening yet. Um, you know, in the actual dismembered body parts. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he d- and the cop lets him go, mm-hmm. and then he goes and buries the different bags in the woods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so from that first crime, which is intense, right? Like that your first murder. You dismember. You cut the limbs right off of the torso. You cut legs at the knees, mm-hmm. arms at the elbows. That's that is the reason that we have trouble even talking about that, like really died. Oh, he's not eating this the victims yet. So really mm-hmm. digesting it. Forgive my poor choice of words is because inherently like we keep talking about eternity being written on our heart. We're image bearers of God. And when we see another image bearer's body, temple, being mm-hmm. disrespected like that, mm-hmm. it's like we we yeah. rebel against that at a an innate, an innate level, right? At, at a cellular level. Yeah,
0: it, it goes to show you that Romans 1 holds true, is that the wrath of God is revealed mm-hmm. unto all mankind. The reason why we can abominate such things or even look away Uh, Mm -hmm. is because we know that there's wrath upon that action right right there and it comes from the sinful Well, all sin starts from the heart so it's innately i mean there's got to be some kind of speculation in every single human that is that if without god's common grace i could be that Um, i could uh, get close to that you know
2: a lot of people uh, who do bank heists, mm-hmm. there's a, a whole even though there's a whole psychology behind that. If you look at other true crime podcasts, but a lot of people who do those heists don't even do it for the money. Mm-hmm. There's almost an addiction of I can do it and get away and get with away it. With it's, it. A, it's a it's thrill of doing the job. Oh yeah, not mm-hmm. necessarily the money, which is so so well, many times it's so hard to walk away. What my question is, that's an element that oh, took place in his first murder, yes. like like being. The rush, pulled over what a rush, and yeah. saying, Not only do I have a dead body in my back, uh, in the back of my car,
3: I can get, get in a trash bag. Yeah.
2: I fooled this person because as you see the progression of Dahmer, it's not just the murder, it's not just he's progressing and him doing these horrific murders, right? But it's also him progressing in manipulating people, right? And yeah. so it seems to me that first interaction would have been like. Oh, I got away with this. I got him to believe what I wanted him to believe. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, and it would. So it probably would have been to like at least twofold the like relief the oh, like he believed me and I'm leaving right now and he's not searching my vehicle. And also I can do anything mm-hmm. like literally no one can stop me. Look, look what I did. This is my first time right I'm a ki- like he probably didn't think I'm a kid myself he uh but this is my first time doing this and look um another piece too that I totally space mentioning Dahmer is already a legit alcoholic mm-hmm. he was bringing are you ready for this Jerry mm-hmm. whiskey flasks into school in seventh grade mm-hmm. just drinking in class I'm like school must have been real different in the 60s mm-hmm. um he had a very serious substance abuse problem. And I mean, I can't even imagine being 12 years old and carrying a flask with me. But, and yeah. I had, and I like, you guys both know, we've talked about it openly before. I have a, a, a drug history and I cannot imagine bringing a flask to school yeah. me at seven years old. Yeah. Um, or it being allowed. Yeah. But m- like, multiple people that went to school remember him doing it Mm -hmm. they could smell it in the flask
0: if i can uh do some uh like a personal plug is that how you put it in the beginning Mm -hmm. is that i remember in high school wanting to take advantage of the almost being caught thing Mm -hmm. uh, as a thrill so when i would do various drugs in school it was awesome to go to class and not get caught oh okay um or like look how stupid this person is they don't even know that i'm like this right right now and i'm tricking you yeah it was a it was a thrill of i know something that you don't Mm -hmm. and here i am doing it and you don't have any idea how good am i how bad are you
3: edmund (laughs) kemper i think we might i might have talked about this on our sheologians crossover that's coming up but uh Edmund Kemper talks about an incident like this too. So he was the co-ed killer Mm -hmm. Uh, one night. He has a severed head and a bowling bag. It might've been a whole body, but at least a head. And he's just walking up his apartment stairs past this couple, this couple that's laughing and happy. And that moment for him was one that stuck out in his mind for those exact reasons that you just identified. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyway, there's that, there is a a pathology to that, right? Like if you are, um addicted or addicted to the rush of that so what you were talking about earlier jerry the like you see this jump that's actually it's not uncommon to see jumps happen i'm actually not sure how uncommon nine years is that seems yeah. like a hefty period to not but, in but in he that... did join the army was it the army or the navy it, it was the army, army yeah. but
2: only that he became a uh, combat medic. So yes. he was actually learning to become. Uh, so it wasn't he just, went to Germany. Yeah. So it wasn't just his uh, high school and and uh, bringing of his uh, studying right. animal anatomy. Now he is actually understanding human, not only humans, but the different drugs that yeah. you can
0: use to sedate
2: them.
3: Right
0: now, his alcoholism uh, got in the way, in that he was and he discharged. was discharged because yeah. of right. his
3: alcoholism. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, okay, so for all of you guys out there that are like current service members or former, like you guys are veterans, imagine what it would mean to be kicked out of the army in the 70s for being an alcoholic. He had to have been such a severe alcoholic. I can't. Even, yeah, he was probably not showing drinking up to work. culture as yeah. part of the armed forces. So yeah. to even, like, you even think exceed what is expected in that regard
0: yeah being a medic in the the military and i have family that has been field medics uh, medical readiness is what they call it um especially when you go off the war you do tours medical readiness gets the people off on the the choppers um and takes into the hospital and things like that i know (laughs) but the particulars of what he was doing, but alcoholism and uh, medicine, <laughs> they don't mix. They don't mix when you're taking it and they don't mix when you're trying to help somebody. So I'm assuming that he couldn't do his job um, because of that alcoholism, which uh, led to his discharge Probably. as well, mm-hmm. which also, I mean, I mean, uh, and a guy like Dahmer who wants control and dominance and, and let to do what he's going to do, he got a, a blow right there that that he hasn't experienced in a while. Remember, mm-hmm. he would mm-hmm. go to school with this stuff and not get caught. Or right. he was used to not getting caught. So him not getting caught it right now is going to be a big important um factor in his life. Right. Yeah. Because this is the only time well, where he's really suffering consequences.
3: Getting away with it too. It's not yeah. just not getting caught. It's like you there're so many opportunities throughout his sp- I mean, his lifetime of killing, like at the season of his killing where he could have And caught, and he was not.
0: It's so funny. I want to go with this because it keeps popping up in my mind. But it 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 really is becoming um, a parallel to gambling addicts. And I know that sounds weird.
3: No, no, it doesn't. No, I think. I think. Go ahead. (laughs) I I think I know where you're going, but go ahead.
0: Because I've I've talked to a lot of gambling addicts, and it's not necessarily the thrill of winning Mm -hmm. which gets them, you know, high. Which that is going to, yeah. It's the risk of possibly losing everything. Yeah, that's the high. Right. And um. I don't know if that's where you thought I was going to go, but for some reason it really, it really resonates within me. And I was like, man, he's acting just like a guy that is possibly, I mean, going to be devastated with everything, but getting away with it is the high, which elicits a normal reaction when he finally does get caught at the end where he's kind of stoic in it. And it's Mm. like, yeah, yeah. well, I think that was a good ride, (laughs) you know, being
3: flat emotionally is something he's accused of his whole life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Well, I think what's also, before you jump into your next segment, I think Mm -hmm. as we're going through this, it's that we're looking at a descent into true madness, Mm because just just that crime alone Mm -hmm. is horrific enough. Oh, yeah. But eventually, all these variables together almost created this head gasket, which alluded to a whole uh, amount of horrific crimes that took place in Milwaukee Mm -hmm. um, that was that shocked the whole shocked the nation at that time. Um, but I think one of the dissents in the madness too, is if you, if you try and understand uh, what happened with Dahmer outside of the biblical worldview, mm-hmm. because if you start from any other point, like if you're looking at from the process of evolution, it's like, well, this is just people, different bags of protoplasm acting according to their logical conclusion. What's mm-hmm. it, if it's survival of the fittest? Where, where are we taking an accounting for the ethic of, Manipulating people or, or you look at that and you look at all the sever, all the trauma of, of what the family is all collectively experiencing. If you know, uh, if any of you are familiar with the story of, of Dahmer, I mean, you look at the infamous tape of the one woman uh, during the court when she's. is. I we'll talk about this yep. later on when she basically rushes Dahmer um, because of the fact that she had a loved one taken from her. Mm. I mean, that that's when you're looking at that, you're looking at real. This is a real gravitas. You can't explain it. Anywhere else, and I think this is one thing I just want to say real quick and we'll jump mm-hmm. on here is uh James chapter one, uh verse fourteen. And he says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. And then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. That in a nutshell describes Dahmer. This is like God in his word has given us a basis where we can actually give an understanding and accounting for the gravitas to say, no, this is definitively evil. Right. Because everything that happened with these 17 people that were murdered by Dahmer, these people were image bearers of God right. with unique dignity, value and worth. Right. Right.
0: Right. I, just, uh, I, I love the fact that that Bible verse uses the word lust at the end, is, um, um, or in some translations, it goes by their own lust. Um, and really, we are a needy people. And because of the corruption of original sin, we seek to gain uh, some kind of homeostatic, homeostasis sort of being to satisfy urges. Yeah. Uh, uh, and there are healthy ways to do that like when you're hungry you eat <laughs> and then there are um um uh you know evil ways to do this uh as well and that is the nature of the manifestation of sin not just in a heart but in an action um as mm-hmm. well and so uh, i kind of love the way it puts it in lust because it is uh, a gravitating towards yeah. of wanting to satisfy some kind of urge right in the human condition for good or bad
2: mm. And so from there, uh, it can. When did the the when it started up again? Uh, let's let's jump into that. What do, what do we know about where how it started up again? What what was the kind of the uh, catalyst? Mm. It does feel kind of like a matchstick. My perspective, it feels almost like those without. So you think of like Looney Tunes. Yeah. You think of like <laughs> Sylvester or someone like that, or Wiley e. Coyote. You see the little eyes going into a room. Mm. He wants to see what's going on lights a match. There's all this TNT and explodes. Mm -hmm. There's all these variables, his alcoholism, this previous murder that he did, uh, these really uh, bizarre uh, compulsive ideas that he had. This all sort of accumulated. Mm -hmm. Where, Where did it combust of sorts? So
3: if you ask Dahmer, because of course people did ask Dahmer, why the gap, right? Why did you not kill again until September of 1987, right? So 78 to 87. Um, And he will say opportunity. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the opportunity until September of 87. Mm -hmm. And during that time, he tried and managed successfully anyway to control those urges Mm -hmm. they're just to kill people anyway and he would actually argue i mean you can see any of this in the the interviews that he's that killing was not at all his primary goal or motivation in what he was doing what he wanted to do was essentially create a Mm zombie-like state for the people that he was victimizing right so that he could control them utterly he Mm -hmm. death was just a Side effect mm-hmm. of what he was trying to do. Right. Ultimately, it was
0: sort of like a, a prototype in him uh, not being abandoned or not them leaving. Um And uh, that's primarily what he would say all the time. I don't want them to leave. I don't want them to leave. Well, you know, if I can't control you in the mind, then death is, is got to be. It's got to be the way, you know, to go, at least uh, in his thought. So
3: death was the means to the end. So the end being his desire to engage in sexual activity with someone that didn't move at all Mm -hmm. and necrophilia. So Mm -hmm. uh, is what we would, you know, having sex with a corpse. Right. 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 Is what his ultimate goal was. Like so. He tried
0: it on a mannequin at first. The mannequin didn't satisfy that, mm-hmm. even though he could control the see, mannequin. So
3: we see progression like this in yeah. sexual deviants
1: yeah. all mm-hmm. the time. It yeah. starts
3: in one spot, and then it ends up mm-hmm. in a completely... And that's one of the reasons that pornography is so dangerous. Yeah. So um, you start with, will n- with yeah. normal vanilla ice cream type pornography, mm-hmm. and that is at, not at all where mm-hmm. you stay. Right. Um, so anyway... <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know what exactly would have been leading up in terms of stress for him to start killing again. I think it really was probably opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, So his next victim was a 24-year-old. His name was Stephen Tuomi. And we're not going to go through all of this, but I think it's interesting to note about this this gentleman that was murdered. This is the only victim that Dahmer says he doesn't remember killing. So he recalls waking up in a hotel room. He was, I think he was spending a few days away from his grandmother's house, which is where he was living at the time um, because they were not getting along. And um, he wakes up next to either, either a dead body in the bed with him or the body was on the floor in the bathroom. I read multiple um, accounts of that. I'm not sure exactly how it actually happened, but per Dahmer, he woke up to was dead Yeah, in the, dead already in the hotel room and his mm-hmm. knuckles were battered and blood and other things were caked like other bodily things skin were caked on them. Um, and he has no memory according to him mm-hmm. of what happened, but he figured of course that he killed him because mm-hmm. of the evidence there. So he claims he was in the full blackout and he, I mean, I'm sure he was drinking, um, it is possible that in uh, like an alcohol induced blackout already that, To no me, or Tuomi, sorry, excuse mm-hmm. me, I meant no disrespect in that mispronunciation. Um, said something that enraged him. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he responded. You know, maybe maybe he attempted to leave. Maybe he That's made, I'm, I'm made fun of yeah. Dahmer yeah. in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, or or Dahmer interpreted something that he said as.
0: I'm leaving me Ma- yeah. being made mm-hmm. fun
3: of sh- like ego wounding individuals like this is extremely dangerous right they will react in rage hmm. with yep. in violence so do you know like within hmm. his
2: confessions about this specific murder uh, did he mention anything about because uh, a lot of people wonder this too what role the, the, the demonic had with this I mean he had no control over himself according to his confession was there anything in his tape at least from his part where he thought maybe this was no. like the devil who made me do it. 'Cause I know he did take he did really assume later on in his confessions, like this is my responsibility. Mm-hmm. He didn't he didn't scapegoat on anything else.
3: He so nothing that I read said that he tried to explain this as like being taken over by some kind of demonic spirit spirit. Mm-hmm. To him, he explained it as being in a blackout, an alcoholic blackout, mm-hmm. a drunk, mm-hmm. just being drunk. Um but anyway, he did uh Dismember him also, and he put him into a suitcase, and that's how he removed him from the hotel. Mm-hmm. and then he brought him back to his grandmother's house, where he kept the body in the basement there for a week, yeah before um no realizing that like he needed to yeah, not do that it. anymore, yeah. right? Yeah.
2: well, just just um also context too, is that he went, like I said, he went away from the hotel. yeah, he actually paid and he extended another day. Um, so he could dispose of the body. So he purchased another night at the hotel. He left the premises. He got an oversized uh, travel bag. That's where he put the body of this mm-hmm. person. And then when he got into the cab, the cab person jokingly said, yeah. what do you got a dead body in there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, I mean, it's, you think of like a weird irony, but it's just... But in all seriousness, I think when people are looking and hearing this element of the story, mm-hmm. I mean, it's baffling to people. How can somebody do something like this and be so
3: cool and collected, methodical? Mm-hmm. Like I
2: remember one time I reached out to you and I had driven yeah. by a car accident and I had saw somebody who was alive less than 30 minutes before. And I had PTSD for three or four weeks that I had to severely like process and mm-hmm. understand that I saw something horrific. Right. Um, Like how that like how do we even like explain what what is even going on inside Dahmer's head when he's making these methodical decisions. Let me go buy a bag. Okay. Like when the when the when the taxi person jokingly says, What do you have, a dead body in here? Right. Like what's going on in his mind? So And then he goes back to his grandmother's basement.
3: I mean, in that moment I'm assuming that he is feeling extremely high off the rush of, well, little do you know, Cabby, there is a body in this bag. Mm-hmm. So back to the same kind of like grandiosity rush, that narcissistic right. thrill seeking that we were talking about. Um, but the detachment, which is what's necessary to commit the murder. Right. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately is a, starts as a function of something called dissociation. Mm-hmm. So it's a God-given mechanism that we all have. We Nick and I talk about it all the time on A Couch Divided.
0: I'm doing it right now. Okay.
3: <laughs> but it, it's basically a biological mechanism that mm-hmm. God gifted us with that allows us to check out when we are in a circumstance that is particularly overwhelming, mm-hmm. traumatic, Emotionally distressing, physically distressing, and it can feel like you're kind of floating out of body. It can feel like you're watching the movie of somebody else's life. There's lots of different ways that it manifests, Mm -hmm. Um, depersonalization and derealization. But some of the theories in criminal psychopathology, specifically with psychopathy and sociopathy is the more you dissociate and the more you do it from a very, very young age, Mm -hmm. the more it becomes just easy to turn off empathy you can just disconnect from everything and Mm -hmm. maybe even ultimately depending on how bad the abuse neglect was just totally shut down that part of yourself entirely because it doesn't hurt as bad if I don't care about it Mm -hmm. so that leads to objectification which Mm -hmm. is you're not a person you are a thing Mm -hmm. for me to dominate Mm -hmm. if you are no more important to me than this table I can do whatever I want to you. Mm -hmm. That's what makes people like Dahmer, sociopaths Mm -hmm. like Dahmer, so terrifying Mm -hmm. because they don't look at you and see somebody with Mm -hmm. value, Mm -hmm. right? Which even non-Christian people, they get really disturbed by this, right? Mm -hmm. Most of us look at this and think, huh, like how could anyone do this? Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, if I don't think that y- if you're no more to me than the gnat mm-hmm. that I just swatted, mm-hmm. however many minutes ago, I can do whatever I want to you, mm-hmm. And I will.
0: It's expressed all over organized crime, too, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, somebody, uh, you know, a human being is just in the way of the business that I need to get. Mm-hmm. done, yeah. Or if I don't take care of them, like 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 whack them. That's what they would say. Right. Mm-hmm. Um And then them being alive is one step closer to me being caught or me uh, or or me not completing this business deal, whatever, whatever it is. Um, And when you look at human beings as just in the way (laughs) kind of thing, Uh, obviously, that's a narcissistic mentality Mm -hmm. and disassociation Mm -hmm. from Normandy of how we're supposed to love our neighbor. Did
2: did either one of you see uh, the Irishman? The Martin Scorsese film? Yes, I love it. Did you see it? Uh, Like eight times.
3: Yeah, (laughs) It's three hours,
0: too,
2: as well, so that's a lot of hours that I spent Is that the one with Joe
3: Pesci in it?
2: Joe Pesci, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Yeah, I know I have not seen it. It's like their last, like, hoo It's great. Well, in it, what <laughs> what made me think about this is, <laughs> um, see
3: all over your face, it's so great. I just want to talk about yeah. this movie. Can I love we, Scorsese, Everything Can we does, just talk yeah. about this movie now? Right,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but in this, like Rob De Niro's character, he's this hitman, and uh, like part of just what he does is yeah. he just does the dirty work for the mob, and you yeah. see him, he'll you know, just off a guy, yeah. throw him into the river, but they would also would just, historically, this is a true, like in New York, I think it was in New York where they, yeah. they placed it, they would just chuck the murder weapon over mm-hmm. into the, the river, mm-hmm. uh, and all of a sudden, him. and you would just see just all of these guns just yeah. resting at the bottom of this river, but it, like, he's... Doing it yeah. like nonchalant, like this, this is nine to five. Like me, yeah. when I worked at Costco, right? <laughs> yeah. I would work as a janitor, I would work as a janitor driving that giant, uh, what Machine. do you call it? Machine, yeah. the, the cleaner, the
3: floor. Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Zamboni, I think it's yeah. called. I would drive the Zamboni around, do my thing, and I clock out. And no, this is methodical. Like this guy's doing. Right. He's offing these it's people no like a nine to him five. more
3: than cleaning the floor at a Costco, uh, uh, right?
0: Fr- Frank Irish. Let's go back to the Irishman, Frank Irish. I, I I love that scene when he throws the 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 gun into the ocean. He goes, "If anybody went diving down there, they can arm, uh, they can arm a small country." Right. That's how many guns were there. But he was also in the war as well. And there was a time in the war because he would pray, you know, please, God, get me out of this and things like that, where he realized that he wasn't going to die or that was his mentality. And he made it through the war. Um, And um, he thought in life after that, that if I just do what I'm told and be a good soldier, that's it. Mm-hmm. And that became a stoic uh, kind of thing uh, on him, too, as well, because it didn't seem to bug him anytime that he had to do something until his best. Well, he had to shoot his, you know, his best friend. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So, but again, you, you see the psychology behind somebody who's completely um disassociated in a bad way. Like I said, there's a good, like there's a way that God made the world even to protect us from things that are traumatic. Like there's probably things that happened in my own brain and my own wiring. I wasn't even aware of when I saw this car accident and I was doing things that actually were good for me. I didn't know how to actually do it in a way, which is why I initially like had reached out to you all those years ago. Um, which is interesting, but I think uh, what's just so interesting about the whole true crime aspect of it is that even now today, like we are in this sort of postmodern, you know, everyone gets to define truth for themselves. You can be who you want to be, Yes. but it's challenging. A story like Dahmer is so challenging because we look at this horrific story and even, and and how, and these people who were uh, victimized and murdered by him, it's like, these are all these things are absolutes, no fans ands, or buts, but no one knows how to, no one knows, or maybe they're even a little bit afraid to try and explain it. I think that's just very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Hey, what's up, everyone? We love that you are enjoying our content on a weekly basis, but this program cannot continue and wouldn't be possible without your support. So if you want to go to thecultisshow.com, there is a donate tab. You can either support us one time or you can become a monthly partner with us that will allow us to continue this program, allow us to continue to be salt and light to the kingdom of the cults. So please go to thecultishshow.com forward slash donate and you can support us one time or monthly. Also, make sure you check out our merchandise store. Go to shopcultish.com. You can see all of our great designs. A lot of you have gotten merchandise from us already. So again, you either go to shopcultish.com dot com and check out all the awesome merch. Back to the show. Yeah,
0: and sometimes explaining it, I mean, we cross a boundary where we think we're giving it validity, you know, where uh, mm. we're making it acceptable in right. some cases. <clears throat> and I get that feeling. I think that we all have that in there. We don't want to give it more light than it already mm, has. I think, you it's, know?
3: yeah. Well, it's really important that we make a distinction between an explanation and mm-hmm. an excuse. Yes, right. Because those two, those aren't the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I do. I do understand very much wanting to know like how certain things come together to produce this result. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but as Christians, we actually have all the answers to these questions before mm-hmm. we take any deep dive in. Right. Right. right? Total depravity. Mm-hmm. The fact that we all aren't Dahmer, that mm-hmm. we all aren't cannibalizing each other is grace mm-hmm. from God. hmm. And if you have a problem hearing that, mm-hmm. just go to your go to your Bible. Yeah. Read it until you see that what I'm saying is true to the word of God. Mm-hmm. So and
0: and we as Christians have an obligation towards the truth.
3: Absolutely. And, and
0: so we do need to see things um like this, or at least the investigative and, part. And you we know? need
3: to speak to it. Yeah. Yeah. We need to have an, a response to and things if, in the culture. And I
0: start thinking about this because a lot of times they will say, you know. You know, the longer you put it on the news, the more popular and famous you're going to make this event. The one way to make it go away is to not talk about it. Right. And I remember the words of Dr. White uh, talking about this about book burning. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, you know, if you want to make a book eternal, then burn it because everybody's going to wonder why, what you're hiding, you know. Yeah. But if you want to stop a book in its tracks, refute it. If that's the case, that means that you need to read it and you need to knock it down, right. kind of thing like that. Mm-hmm. And of course, when crimes like this happen, I think that mentality you know, it suffices for this situation as well is because you need to understand the truth, what it is, and abominate it and yeah. refute it so that it does not become this beast in glory uh, later well, on. Well,
3: and I think another thing too, to point out that we haven't yet, mm-hmm. um, but that nobody would have had to point out back in 91, Dahmer is arrested in July of ninety one, mm-hmm. which is like two months after the release of Silence of the Lambs in yeah. theaters,
0: mm-hmm. wow!
3: So that's like the, all over newspaper, no. all over newspapers. You I get did not know that real wow. life, you know, Hannibal like yeah, life absolutely. life
2: imitating art.
3: Yes, uh, well, no, no, I or, mean Dahmer was eating people long before. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. but the yeah. idea was already kind of in people's. Yeah, minds, well, though. and when in reality, um, Hannibal, Hannibal's. Actually, it wasn't Hannibal's character that was um, necessarily mirrored off of um Ed, Ge- Ed Gein. if you guys are interested in serial killers that like to use body parts mm. Edgean is definitely your guy and that is who Buffalo Bill he is based off right of, yeah. is based off of in Silence of the Lamb so um yeah this all coincided so we you've got what is a naturally interesting and disturbing and morbid thing mm-hmm. in the news
2: mmm
3: and then you have everybody's mind because that movie won five Oscars, mm-hmm. I think. Maybe it was six Oscars. And
0: it's weird for a horror film to get that much attention.
3: So. Um, well, I know I don't know. Did we call that a horror. It's film? It's a thriller. So, yes, yeah, yeah. suspense thriller. It's excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, oh wait. Yeah. <laughs> or she a great big frat. No, and <laughs> what's
2: also what's also um, I mean, there's layers. We we were kind of getting towards the time of part one. I mean, there's so yeah. many there's so many layers to this. And maybe we'll kind of maybe explain some things about the complexities of the trial when he got arrested. But this is something just when it comes to uh, manipulation. This is something that was uh, probably one of the most horrific accounts of uh, one of the murders that took place is that. The there was a boy who was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, he was manipulated uh, by Dahmer, and I believe at that time there was a 911 call where I think he had already started to do some of his experiments on him, yeah, and he tried to escape. And uh, there's a 911 call that we saw this man who was outside, uh, naked. Uh, and he seemed to be really incapacitated. Uh, the police came and the woman, both who the 911 call and the two girls who are witnesses who saw it, who saw the situation were saying, no, this is wrong. Mm -hmm. Like this is, don't let him in. So that when the cops came to assess the situation, they had a prejudice towards the witnesses, and then no one because they were black.
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: that's just the reality of the situation in Milwaukee
3: at that time. And- well, and also prejudice—I mean, you could call prejudice against like homosexuality right, right here because in this whole instance, and they do—they do a good job, I think, of of uh, getting it really right detail-wise in the Netflix show. This particular scene, um, in in reality. So what the, the victim you're talking about, his yeah. name was Conorak, and he was actually the brother of one of Dahmer's earlier victims, mm-hmm. but not a murder victim, a molestation, a sexual assault victim. Mm-hmm. So can you even yeah, yeah. handle that? Um, but so this is after Dahmer has started drilling holes into the heads of his victims and pouring um, acid very you know acid in there to try and essentially perform what is a lobotomy Mm -hmm. Um, again his goal being to create a zombie-like state for his victim so that he could do whatever he Mm -hmm. wanted to him so this 14 year old boy gets his skull drilled with a hole and acid put in and then he's laid next to a body that's already in the apartment this is the body of 31 year old Anthony Hughes Mm -hmm. and then Dahmer leaves and takes a stroll three hours is yeah. gone and when he comes back the boy the 14 year old is sitting outside on the steps with these women mm-hmm. and the women have already called the police so yeah they you date i think they do a pretty good job yeah. of indicating that the horrible part that you're getting to is that ultimately the police return the 14 year old to Dahmer. Mm-hmm. Dahmer comes and says what jerry
2: um he says that he wasn't it's my boyfriend uh we are intoxicated uh, he's, he's intoxicated. I'm just trying to get him back mm-hmm. to his home. And even even at that time, when you look at the era. Yeah, I mean, you think about all the discussion about the LGBTQ plus and that mm-hmm. whole thing going on. That's not that's this is a very different area during the time of like, don't ask, don't tell. Uh, right. And so a lot of people look. Yeah, now, this is
3: May of 91. Yeah. So, so
2: people are looking at that situation. A lot of people would say that the police at that time were saying, well, we don't really want to get involved or had the reputation that we're kind of like getting in the way of whatever these people are doing. There mm-hmm. It's just that was just the time uh, during that time. And so that's in their minds why they are doing it. But then there's a, a 911 call that's mm-hmm. horrific. Yeah. Um, that she's basically saying like, did you like, what did you do? And like, no, we returned it. We returned it back to his apartment. And she's like, are you kidding me?
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: he's just saying, no, it's, and it's weird. It's like, it's saying like, he's saying it's been taken. the guy on the, on the 911 call is saying it's been taken care of the officer. Yeah. And that's one of those things when he, there's injustice, like on so many layers, yeah. layers and levels. And I think, and I, and I just want to say this as we wrap up here, like this is, disturbing it it should yeah this mm-hmm. should disturb you yes, because all of these things presuppose mm-hmm. human dignity human worth and right. every single human being who's an image bearer of God okay. and the very fact that you're being turned by what we're saying or being bothered by it
3: is evidence of that is, is
2: evidence of that
3: the reality of
2: that
0: what were you gonna say Nick well I remember um, you know Jeffrey sitting down with his lawyers his defense lawyer and a plead for sanity Uh, or excuse me, insanity, and, you know, she asked him a profound question, you know, why are you confessing and, you know, why are you being, you know, so open about this? And he goes, well, I need help. I want to know why I am the way yeah. I am, mm-hmm. and um, I can get misty-eyed talking about that because there's a lot of hurt and suffering that goes on with identity, you know, and trying <laughs> to find out, mm-hmm. you know, why you're here, purpose, all that stuff. The dissociation from God because of sin brings us down, a crushed spirit who can bear kind mm-hmm. of thing, you know. And I I talk about this uh, mm-hmm. proverb a lot, uh, you know, in our podcast, but he who gains sense loves his own soul and he who is quick with his feet sins. That word sense is labe. In Hebrew, it means to know yourself. It mm-hmm. means to know your inner will. It means to know your heart. And so there's a proverb that says that, you know, the the, the love of your own soul is actually knowing your intentions. And right. When you're dissociated and cognitively uh, dissociated uh, because of whatever trauma that you received sadness or whatever is going on is very hard to understand the intentions of your heart and mm-hmm. I think that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer just expressed that when he said I want to know how I, mm-hmm. why I am the way I am
3: see I'm going to go so. ahead and disagree with you a little I love your explanation and I think that that would apply to most yes. of us but I think that Dahmer is mm-hmm. interested in understanding himself to feed his narcissism oh, okay not because he cares so much about why he's so awful. I think sure. he's curious about it because he clearly knows he can observe that he is quite different. Right. That most people aren't drugging dates. Yeah. Interesting. Right. And killing them, strangling them and and um, performing sex acts with their body, dismembering mm-hmm. them, mummifying mm-hmm. genitals. It's he knows that he is unusual. Mm-hmm. But I doubt very seriously that there's any kind of existential pull in the way that you described. Yeah. Because there is no connection to his victims like that. They're just objects. If you killed somebody, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. like the angst, because you're not a sociopath. Yeah.
0: Very, very interesting. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. I would agree uh, Uh on that in in Dahmer's situation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But
3: I think for most of us that what you described would absolutely apply. Mm-hmm. It's these individuals. Mm-hmm. He totally, totally disconnects.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. There you go.
2: All right. Well, they, we're going to continue this conversation uh, in part two. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we've only scratched the surface, and it's true. There's multiple layers Um, to this. And I think there's other things we can explore too, uh, why this is on everyone's mind. Uh, Yeah. Really the imago Dei, the fact that we are made in the image of God, all these things presuppose, uh, violations of, Mm -hmm. of someone who's, who people who are image, who are image bearers of God, um, and also Rick, the real sense of injustice. Right. The right. fact that, uh, you know, the one lady, I forget her name, she was in the apartment. She had called uh, the police multiple times the over a month. The neighbor yeah. who, who had talked about uh, the smell coming from the apartment and even hearing things that I really don't feel like I need the necessity to describe. Yeah. You can just put two and two together, given the but nature of the But things that crimes. you would,
3: like, unless your neighbor was a lumberjack, you wouldn't expect <laughs> to be hearing next door yeah. at all hours of the day and night. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not telling anyone to assume that if they hear whirling of saws or anything that their neighbor is dismembering anyone. But mm. this lady, it wasn't just that. It was this kid. It was mm. the smell. It was how intimidating Dahmer was to her, mm-hmm. right? All of that together that caused her to call in multiple times. And again, this is another example of, right, missed opportunity here. It's There's so many... So many opportunities along the way. There was a, right after his first or second victim, his dad picked up the box that Dahmer was, like, storing Hmm. the mummified genitals in. And if he would just have opened the spot, like, he didn't. He Hmm. thought it was pornography and didn't and it's yeah. just like oh my gosh think about all the people that wouldn't have died mm-hmm. or ho- you you hope wouldn't have died if his dad had found this yeah, in hindsight on.
0: we catch all these little moments you know mm-hmm. what i mean of like if it just went this way it would yeah. have been totally destroyed before and i think know.
3: that's as christians it's really important to acknowledge god's sovereignty like in those details that we catch mm-hmm. and the ones that we miss he's still mm-hmm. sovereign so mm-hmm. oh yeah i can't wait to keep talking about
2: yeah. this yeah all right so if you guys enjoyed this episode um as Given the nature of this, or at least we're appreciative of it, Whether just let us know what you thought. Please uh, go ahead and comment on our social media. Give us some insight. As always, a program like this, uh, bringing in uh, really the truth of the gospel into a very dark conversation like this is incredibly important. So if you feel led to support Cultish, you can always go to uh, thecultishshow.com. There's a donate tab. You can partner with us and donate or become a one-time member. All that being said, we'll talk to you all next week on Cultist where we continue to look into this episode of True Crime. Talk to you all soon. (laughs) Love you guys.
3: Love you guys.